Greetings in Christ Jesus and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined today by Pastor Neil Radical. This morning, uh, Pastor is going to lead us with a brief devotional thought based on Acts chapter 16. Yes, we're looking at verses 30 through 34. A little background on what's going on here is that Paul and Silas were thrown into prison once again for sharing the Word of God and teaching about Jesus, which they were told many times to not share that name. Uh, the followers of the way, you know, the truth and the life of Jesus Christ, they were told not to do that. And so they were put in prison in chains once again. And you have this idea of, okay, they should be upset, but you have this earthquake and they're singing and praising to God and all the other people in jail there all hearing this message. And then there's this earthquake and the chains fall off and they're all set free. All the doors are open and the jailer there being a Roman jailer, was assuming he was going to be in big trouble and put to death for this, so he's about to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do that. We're all still here. None of us have left. And the jailer, obviously already knowing and hearing what Paul and Silas are all about, and this man Jesus, brings us to this question and discussion here. So when it says here in Acts 16.30, and he brought them out, that means he, the jailer, brought Paul and Silas out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. When you look at this section, I think it's pretty amazing because you have that very simple question, but we could maybe argue that it is the most important question. Maybe in our modern day, we'd say, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And ultimately, it's not a work that we have to do. We know from Ephesians 2, by grace we're saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works so that we can't boast, but it's, it comes down to faith. You know, That was Luther's big thing back in the 1500s that we are saved by faith alone. Galatians says that, Romans says that. So we see that throughout the Bible. And so ultimately, Paul's saying this as well, Paul and Silas, that yes, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. So what are you believing in? You're believing on Jesus' work, his work on the cross, his life, death, and resurrection. And ultimately, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and also in his household. I don't know what you think about this, Pastor, now, but sometimes people confuse that, well, the jailer was saved, and because of that, the rest of his household is saved. How do you understand that? Well, I think when you look at the household then, which was a little different than the household today, as we think of a household, it'd be the husband, wife, family, um, or whatever, whoever lives under the house. Back then, a household was more of the idea of you and your family, and then all the servants and all their servants. And depending on how big um, and how influential or, or powerful this individual was, the household could have been a quite large group. Um, and... and I think, you know, you're not simply saved because your father saved. The Holy Scriptures makes that clear that just because your parents believe doesn't mean that you believe. But um, what a parent can do is lead up a child in the ways you go and lead a child in faith. And that's what we see this man doing is saying, I want this for 
my family, for my children, for everyone that I have influence over. And so he comes and he baptizes all of them. And so this is a, uh, has them all baptized. And this is, I think, uh, one of this verse is one that we can point to when we speak of infant baptism, certainly. And, and that, that was practiced in the early New Testament to baptize even little babies. Because um, his, his whole household, um, they were uh, believed in God with his whole household. So when it says they believed in God, um, who are we to doubt whether or not uh, they all actually believed? Holy Scripture tells us they all believed and they all were baptized. So, um, yeah, so it's not simply the act of the Father said it, and so now they all are, but it's the word worked, as it says here. Uh, he brought him into the house, had food before him, and rejoiced him, and believed in God. Uh, they, they were preached the word of God, they were baptized, and so... They all believed. Nice. Well said. I think this reminds me of two things. One, uh, this coming weekend, a little preview, we're talking a little bit about how salvation really comes first. You know, we're justified for our sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel, what Jesus does for us. Sanctification, what follows that comes after that work of salvation. Maybe think of Jesus saying, salvation has come to this house today. That would fit with the jailer at Philippi here too. And you see in this short section what the jailer was willing to do. He took and took care of Paul and Silas, washed their stripes, took care of them, and they wanted to hear more about this Jesus. And just like Philip and the Ethiopian, you have that leading to baptism too, is the more they when they heard about the Lord and they wanted to be baptized. Pretty amazing. And it also can remind us of VBS this week. How would that be connected to how would this section be connected to VBS, would you say? Well, we certainly see how uh one individual can bring salvation to a household through the sharing of the word of God. And in the case of the father, you know, obviously he has a lot of influence on his household, but we can reverse that too. You know, when a child hears about God's word and a child is taught God's word this week in VBS and brings that home. Uh, my kids have been singing VBS songs at home all week and uh, sharing God's word with us. And hopefully I uh, would pray that's the case with uh, all of these kids who are going home and who learn these important lessons um, our theme this week is, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And uh, we're looking each day at certain aspects of the life of Jesus. Tomorrow we'll be going into his death and resurrection. And then Friday we'll look at his ascension and then how he will come back on the last day to bring us all to heaven. And um, as we think about all these things, as we study all these things, faith works in the heart of these kids through the word um, to uh, create, sustain, and, and strengthen that faith. And then they can share that faith then with their families as well. Yeah, I think there's seems like there's been some kids who know very little, if anything, about Jesus who have come here. And all of them, regardless of how much they know, need to be strengthened and grow in that faith in their Lord Jesus. So with that, we give thanks for that opportunity, just like the Lord provided the opportunity for Paul and Silas to witness to this jailer and flip by and his whole household. Oh, we never know how the Lord is going to, where the Lord is going to spread. And so we pray for that same thing with our VBS today as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on your word today. No matter what circumstances might come our way in our life, whether we have challenges or trials or whether we were even imprisoned, you can use that to the glory of your kingdom, to the salvation of others, to hear and learn about their Lord and Savior who has forgiven the sins of the world. We pray that you'd bless everything that we do, Lord, in order to serve you as we share your truth with others, that we too can share that we believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, through that faith alone, we know we have the promise of eternal life. Lord Jesus, bless us always in your saving name we pray. Amen.
All right, a number of weekly updates, reminders for you. Uh, this evening, our online midweek Bible class continues. Uh, last week, Jesus died on the cross. Tonight, he's getting buried, and we'll uh, hopefully, God willing, get to the resurrection as well in Mark chapter 16. Um, I just want to update you on our Vacation Bible School going very well. Again, this year, we're doing pre-K, age 3 through 6th grade, um, and we're, we're right around the 90 kids total, so just maybe just a little shy of... 90 kids total have come in and, as we've said, heard God's word, been been taught God's word, have had their faith uh, strengthened and sustained through that. So really been a blessing. We have more than 30 volunteers as we brought many 7th and 8th graders in um, to uh, help volunteer and fill in gaps and uh, to be leaders for our Vacation Bible School. So it's really been a blessing. It's neat to see all these kids running around here this week, and uh, it's been, been great. Um, we had our quarterly voters meeting on Monday evening. Um, couple highlights from that. We got a, a update from our treasurer um, that we are quite far behind on our uh, giving for the year. Um, it's kind of expected during this during the summer months that we get behind on uh, giving, but he says uh, we're even farther behind than normal. So just something to keep in your thoughts and prayers and, and your, as you're considering your giving to Emmanuel that we are a little bit behind right now on that financial situation. And if you got more questions on that, you can sure contact our treasurer uh, or our financial secretary as well. That information's all in the bulletins on a regular basis. Um, the church is currently uh, having some tuck pointing done around the outside. Um, so a lot of the, the brickwork and the stonework uh, that has worn away over the years, um, they're, they're cutting out the old mortar, putting new mortar into place to hold them in place, fixing some of the stone that's chipped and, and been broken over the years. And um, they'll even go up the sides of the sanctuary as well and do repairs where needed um, above the whole, the whole church body itself. So that's a project that's going to be going, I think, for the rest, rest of the summer, I would expect. It's going to be dusty. It will be dusty, yep. So you can expect that. Um, the uh, uh, Vision, Mission, and Values Committee presented their final... Uh, product, not final as an unalterable, but final as in kind of the, the final thoughts they have for their vision, mission, and values. They presented that, and those were accepted uh, by the voters on Monday evening. So we'll see where uh, kind of those, those uh, important ideas kind of go from here as to how they want to implement them in our ongoing activity here at Emmanuel. Uh, and then finally, a long conversation was had uh, regarding the choir policy. Um, this is something that's been on the hearts and minds of our people here for uh, decades at this point. Um, no decision or uh, final uh, practice was decided upon by the voters. Uh, uh, after a long discussion, it was decided to have the deacons um, decide how to con how to proceed from here, and uh, uh, we'll see what the deacons have in mind following this. I don't know if you have any other comments on that, Pastor. No, I know you and I both talk about it. If anybody is listening to this and has any questions on anything the voters talked about, you know, especially choir policy too, please don't hesitate to come in and ask us about it because we'd love to talk to you about it and yeah, hear your thoughts and share our thoughts. So um, please don't hesitate yep. to do that. Yeah, open door policy. Here we yep. go. Everybody's welcome. For sure. Um, coming up soon, Adopt a Highway is August 13th. That's a Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, if we get the same turnout we did last time, it took us less than an hour. So uh, hopeful that uh, that'll work uh, similarly as well. Our prayer list for today, we just continue to pray for the blessings of VBS this week, that everybody would uh, uh, learn about their Savior Jesus, that everybody would stay healthy and well and no injuries or anything like that. So uh, continuing praying God would continue to bless the Vacation Bible School. Uh, we continue to keep Carrie Dale, uh, Hillary Leon's sister, in our prayers. Uh, she deals with that terminal cancer diagnosis. 
Um, keep Val Landon in our prayers as Val uh, recovers from that broken hip surgery she had last week. Um, saw her la- I saw her last week, and she's getting around pretty well, doing pretty good. So uh, pray that healing would happen quickly. And then we keep Richard Leake, who's in our uh, still hospitalized, uh, in our prayers as well. That the Lord would continue to be with and bless him and Audrey as, as uh, he works through these these difficult health issues as well. That brings us to our convention recap for the day. I'm joined today by Mr. Brandon Heinze and by Mr. Michael Wheaton. Um, these two uh, delegates to the convention were on committee number six, which is entitled Membership and Constitution. Um, on pages four and five of the prospectus, they had uh, five assignments. They were to uh, review the applications for membership in the CLC, uh, take a look at the ratification and seating of delegates. They were uh, to report back on a report from the Standing Constitution Committee. So that was a committee that reported and to them, and they uh, brought a recommendation back to the con- uh, convention. They looked at the uh, report from the CLC statistician, and then they also got convention statistic- statistical report. Easy for me to say, huh? So Brandon is our local statistician. So Brandon, you want to start us off? What were kind of some of the main uh, uh, topics of discussion on your floor committee uh Committee number six. Yeah, the statistical part of the report really didn't amount to much discussion. Uh, it's really just that. It's gathering data on, on new members, new teachers and pastors that are, current, that are serving calls in the CLC, um, or if there's any new congregations that are applying for membership in the CLC, which there weren't any this at this convention, but at some conventions we, we actually... Um, ratify membership of new CLC congregations as well Um, and then formalities like seating delegates so that they can do the work that uh, is put before us by uh, the uh, moderator. So we had uh, we had four so maybe we should talk about what CLC membership means and every congregation is a member congregation of the CLC and so as a member congregation of the CLC they get to send two delegates to the convention to represent them Um, but in addition to that, every pastor and every male teacher is also a delegate to the convention as well. Um, so um, you and I, the three of us here as called workers, we are members of the CLC in, in, in kind of a different sense than just a, a layman in the pew. Not, you know, not that we're better or anything, but just because as called workers, um, we have been called to be delegates to the CLC convention. So um, we have here four individuals who... Uh, were accepted as becoming voting members of the CLC. You want to list those off for us? Yeah, uh, Pastor Zachary Sippert, who I believe just uh, graduated SEM this year. Yeah, I so think he just got installed he was, last he was, weekend or something like that. Yeah, he was just installed out in uh, Bottle, South Dakota, and Ipswich, South Dakota. He's serving those two congregations out there. Uh, Pastor Luke Willits, uh, who is serving up at Living Savior in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Uh, and he came through Colloquy, I believe. I, yep. ca- I can't remember which synod he came he from. He came from the Wells. I think he graduated from Bethany, but then he was in the Wells for a while before he called sure. Yeah. Uh, and then two local teachers, uh, Teacher Benjamin Hanel from Mankato and Teacher Kevin Schrader from Mankato were received into voting membership in the CLC. All right. And so, um, so now that was kind of the first big assignment that you guys had. You talked a little bit about... Um, Seating of the delegates. Uh, Michael, you want to talk about uh, how many delegates we had at convention and kind of the breakdown of 
lay delegates, pastoral delegates, professors, teachers, all that? Sure. 69 of them were present. Uh, one was excused for the entire convention. Mm. And then four of them were excused for parts of the convention. Uh, there were a total of 31 teachers uh, or professors there. Uh, 29 of them were present. Two of them were excused full-time. Uh, 57 pastors or missionaries. 49 of them were present. Four of them were excused full-time, so they didn't come to the convention at all. And then three of them missed parts of convention. One was absent. So there was a total of 154 uh, delegates. Yeah, so that's... It was a pretty good, pretty good group of people. Um, I was one of the excused part-times there. I, when I had to rush back here to get back for a, a, a congregational member, had a family emergency going on, so I, had, I was excused part-time. So that's kind of why that happens a lot of the time is a pastor will have something they need to get back for and so they come back. Um, but having 154 people, that was a, a good representation of our entire synod. And as you said, 74 of those were, were leg delegates. That's... that's uh, um, uh, congregational delegates who come from different congregations and then every congregation gets two so again our two uh, were Mr. Jay Hanel and Mr. Daniel Pfeiffer uh, who were to represent our congregation here. Um, what else did you guys talk about anything else major come up on the floor committee? Yeah the third item on the list which is the response to the standing constitution committee's uh, report so on page 81 of the prospectus um, it talks a little bit about what that involves. So there was a resolution in floor committee number four uh, last year, last convention, and the question was uh, posed to the SCC, which is the Sandy Constitution Committee. Does the CLC Constitution require the president to request the Board of Doctrine to represent the church body in doctrinal discussions with other church groups? Or is this action at the president's discretion? So that that was the question. So maybe talk about maybe kind of where that came from, right? So why? Yeah. So, so that that, came, that from doc, came from committee four, which was doctrine. Committee four, which was doctrine last year. Uh, so their question was: we we've had these talks going on with the Wells and L's, which has been uh, a four four man committee, three uh, pastors and. Yeah, and, it's and the three, president. It's been three man, pretty much. Three man, okay. Two yeah. pastors and the president. Yeah. And so the question was, can they speak to another synod officially and do official business without the board of doctrine being consulted? And so uh, there was a lot of discussion within the group. Um, so, so so kind of the part of the it was the constitution the way it's written right now is a little bit. It could be interpreted either way, right? Yeah, so the Constitution right now says it, which refers to the Board of Doctrine, shall at the request of the President or the Convention represent the Church of the Lutheran Confession in doctrinal discussions with other church groups. So, yeah, the discussion came. There were two thoughts. One was, uh, yeah, this clearly states that it's up to the President. It's at his discretion Mm -hmm. or Convention's discretion to ask the Board of Doctrine to become involved. Whereas others said, no, this is clearly saying the Board of Doctrine cannot do it on their own. They'd have to be asked by the president to do it. Uh, So our committee was very split. It was like uh, 10 to 11 
Uh, so it finally came down to not what is your personal opinion, but we asked a few, I don't know if you want to call them grammar, grammar people, but sure. the way this reads, what is it saying? And the way it reads, uh, it is saying that it's the option of the president to call upon the Board of Doctrine. And so that was what we ended up bringing finally as a motion. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one of the SCC gentlemen, which there are three of them, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. Uh, one of them on the committee, and he was comfortable with how it was worded and grammatically how it read that the president has the option to call upon uh, the Board of Doctrine, which I think we would hope, you know, he would naturally do. Mm -hmm. uh, they even, the SCC, in answering the question, they even underlined uh, the SEC does not have the authority to decide a question such as this one mm -hmm. uh, we are given. So they even felt it was beyond their realm to try to interpret what that means, yeah. but rather let's get wording down so that it's very clear what yeah. the intention is. Yeah, because the Constitution Committee isn't supposed to form the they're Constitution They're not making way. it, right. They're, they're not the Supreme to, Court that decides what it is. They're, they're yeah. reviewing what is it saying. Gotcha, gotcha. So. And, and so... What was the final resolution that came forward as uh, far the as the... final resolution... What it came down to is asking the convention, what do they want to be mm -hmm. in the Constitution? Do they want it to be at the president's discretion or convention's discretion? Or do they want it to be that the Board of Doctrine is required to be involved in any um, conversations with other church groups? Um, and the resolution was simply that the, when doctrinal discussions with another church group are being planned, or even if they have begun, the president or convention has the option of requesting the Board of Doctrine's involvement, but it would not be required. Uh, that's the direction that the uh, convention gave, and we then directed the Standing Constitu Constitution Committee to draft language to amend the Constitution to reflect that um, wish and present it to our next convention in 2024 so we can clarify what the Board of Doctrine's role in talks like that would be in a clear way. Okay, okay. But then we did have one final resolution, which is encouraging the president to seek input from the Board of Doctrine in doctrinal discussions. So yeah. it, it remains not required, but we would strongly encourage yeah. him to involve them. And I think... Well, Brandon and I were talking, I think, even before this, I think it comes down to, we trust our president. You know, I think that we called him, we elected him as our president, and we trust him that he's going to do what is best and what is he perceives to be right. And, you know, it's not like he's going to take any crazy action <laughs> without uh, consulting the Board of Doctrine or consulting uh, convention either. So right. um, it's, about, it's about trust and trust in the people that you elect and trust the Lord. It's going to bless the work of their hands, too. So I like the way that this ended up. I trust our president. I think he's going to do well um, and represent us well in all these things. I think he's going to – I'm glad you encourage him to seek input from the Board of Doctrine, but I would trust him to do that, too. So yeah. anything else you guys want to kind of mention before we uh, sign off here? Sure. I'd say the last thing is just a recognition that uh, we do have a CLC statistician that – uh, keeps track of things like uh, membership into congregations, how many uh, students are involved in all our Christian day schools and our high school here in Mankato, as well as our high school and college up in Eau Claire. And uh, Dr. Jim Sido has been doing that um, 
I guess on and off for many many years. He and his his brother Pete were kind of taking turns doing that. Uh, but Jim was doing it for the last, uh, I guess, two years maybe, maybe yeah, just one year. I can't remember for sure when he was last appointed. But uh, he is uh, retiring in, from that this year, and we've appointed someone who is not a sito, I believe, right? I don't think so. All right. So there's a non-sito CLC statistician for the first time in many, yeah, many years. Gunnard Sippert, I believe, is yep. the new new statistician. So um, you can take a look in the prospectus on page 99 and 100. Are those uh, congregational statistics where you can see well, how many members does every church have and how, how big are the schools and what is their offerings that come to the synod and stuff like that is all in the prospectus there too so um, some good information from the statistician there so all right gentlemen thank you very much appreciate your time today yes thank you pastor all right, God's you're blessings. welcome I'm joined now by mr. Daniel Pfeiffer uh, Daniel was the delegate from Emmanuel Lutheran church uh, on committee number three. Committee number three is missions. Um, so really, if you look on pages four and five in the prospectus, the only assignment that you guys had as a floor committee for missions was uh, to review the report from the board of missions. That means you guys probably didn't have much to do at all. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so the first paper that you guys came out with uh, was, I read through it just now, it was largely just thanking, going through the domestic mission fields, the foreign mission fields, um, the work that the missionaries and, and kinship mission help mission helper program all these things are doing um, was there anything in that that you kind of wanted to highlight um, as far as domestic missions or foreign missions and the work being done there? Yes, uh, as far as foreign uh, mission fields is con uh, concerned, uh, the big thing to highlight on that is the exponential increase that we have had essentially of congregations and souls that we have served abroad. Just in uh, uh, 2020, we had uh, 14 different uh, mission fields, and that's an increase from 1960 of just one. Hmm. Wow. And as far as the souls that we're serving, uh, it's, uh, it started at 50 back in 1965, and we're at 105,000. So. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit has blessed our work abroad. That's incredible, yeah. And I, I would, I would highlight too that you know, 105,000. Our synod size is somewhere. If you look at our stats on the end of the, end of the spreadsheet here, it's like we're something around seven, eight thousand members here stateside, and so we have nearly a hundred thousand more than that overseas. Now we should also temper that and say it is souls served, so it's not necessarily confirmed membership or people who are communing necessarily, but it is souls who are being served through mission, the mission work uh, overseas and, and pastors that we have trained through our different uh, overseas seminaries and things like that. So pretty amazing how the Lord has blessed the work of our foreign mission fields. Yes, and I would uh, encourage you all to keep them in your prayers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so that kind of highlights the first kind of part of all the the thanking and everything that you guys did. Um, obviously, as a synod, we have two missionaries. Um, you want to talk about those two missionaries. Pe missionary Evenson uh, is over in Africa, and then Missionary Omen uh, is what we call kind of a missionary at large. Did you speak to either one of them? Did they describe kind of the work that they do to you at all in, in committee? Yes, so Missionary Evenson is our missionary abroad to uh, Togo, and one thing to highlight as far as his work is concerned is how he is translating some of our uh, resources that we use into French. 
as far as missionary Ullman is concerned, he's uh, our missionary to Nepal, and it's exciting uh, that we're going to be starting a new uh, possible mission outreach in the Philippines, which we're hoping is uh, is uh, blessed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, awesome. So that's kind of the work they've been doing lately. I know missionary Ullman, he you know he he works in Nepal certainly, but we kind of call him missionary at large, and he's also the title they have for him is foreign mission coordinator so he you know we t- you'd mentioned earlier the 14 different uh, places where we we have mission work going on he kind of coordinates all those and goes here and there and everywhere and i think he ends up spending something like six months abroad every year during non-covid times obviously but uh, uh, uh about six six months at home so he's kind of all over the place his his work is so um but kind of so you kind of went through all that as we do every every time we have a convention go through all the different mission work going on but that wasn't really the bulk of your conversation in committee uh, do you want to talk about the the main uh, source of your discussion yeah so the big uh, question that we had about uh, missions is whether or not the committee uh, for Christian day schools was meant to be uh, part of the Board of Missions or the Board of Education and Publications was the recommendation of the Board of Missions to move that work to the Board of Education and Publications since they felt that Christian Day Schools falls under their purview. Uh, one thing to note, though, that during this past year, they did quite extensive work on a model for Christian Day Schools that uh, congregations can use to essentially start planning. They laid out, you know, here's what the, the hard numbers that you'd really need to start a school. So I'm looking at the bottom of the one of your reports, and it says $115,680. That's the number, basically. If you're going to start a Christian day school uh, with the teacher's salary, the, the school that you'd need, and all the, all the supplies and everything that would, that would need to be there, um, you could do it all for that number. Uh, and obviously that'll change depending on where you're at, but uh, in the nation and prices around you. But uh, still having kind of a, a guideline for that, I think it's pretty helpful. Um, you can look at the monthly expenses and the, the uh, for having a teacher and then also for a pastor and kind of what you need to budget and what your kind of goal should be as you're building towards that. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a neat start. Um, they did a lot of work, uh, but this really all kind of stems back to last year's convention, right? So I wasn't there last year. Were you that you were one of the delegates, right, Daniel? That's correct. So you were there firsthand, so maybe you can explain it for us a little bit, kind of what happened last year and why that led to that where we are this year. Yes, so the convention decided to place this work on the Board of Missions, and there was uh, quite a bit of discussion as to whether or not that was a wise thing to do. Um, Ultimately, we did decide to give this work to the Board of Missions, and they, like I said, did excellent work over the past year. But uh, it has been felt by the committee and the convention at large that it would be best for this to be moved to the Board of Education and Publications. Um, And with that being said, we also approved uh, $4,000 to be put into a fund that they can use to start this process. Yeah, so it's a Christian education fund or that's correct. Or something yep. like that they call yeah. it. And so that's something that now we can that is able to be given to by the the synod at large and the idea behind this is 
this fund will be able to help churches that um, maybe aren't just aren't quite making getting enough money in to start a school and to, to uh, open up a school on their own. Um, so if they have, you know, they may have a pastor, they may have a facility, maybe they need help getting a facility, and this little bit of extra money is what can really kind of give them that extra push they need to go, uh, that extra extra little bit to get that hope in that school, hopefully, right? Yeah, um, the fund has just been started, so the parameters around that are a little vague, uh, but that, I believe, is the intention of the convention, is that the fund would be used not necessarily for ongoing expenses, but pro- uh Startup, startup pro- yeah. projects. So we need to get a facility. So you may you have that one payment to get the facility, but we don't do ongoing repairs, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I mean, last year the convention said let's help subsidize churches that are already under mission subsidy, but now this year by putting it under the board of ed and pub, it's kind of like it opened the umbrella up to really any any congregation that might say, hey, we're paying our pastor right now, but we need a little bit of, you know, we want to open a school and we need to pay a teacher and, you know, a loan or uh, some sort of a gift could help us get there. And um, so this is an opportunity for hopefully more schools. And I think right now, as we look out at society and our culture in general, um, the time is right for uh, 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 private schools and especially Christian day schools that are offering the truth of God's word like we have um, to, to stand up and to begin to thrive because trust for public schools is at an all time low. And, uh, uh, we have God's word to share with uh, all these young souls out there, and hopefully that's something we can do as a synod and c- as we continue to uh, focus on Christian education, which has always been the church's goal, um, both at a great school level and uh, obviously uh, throughout your the Christian life as well. Yes, yeah, so uh, we definitely encourage you if you have been uh, financially blessed and uh, willing to uh, contribute toward this so that... Um, Christian day schools can be put in the uh, forefront of our uh, of our work here. Yeah, I'd say stay tuned probably when the proceedings come out. That'll make become clear uh, where exactly you can give that those, those monies to. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, any other uh, things you want to kind of end with here or call out or things you heard from committee or talking to many of the different people from convention? Anything you want to highlight uh, for our listeners, Daniel? Well, uh, one thing that came to mind uh, at the Delicate Conference and that was also brought up at convention was the blessing that uh, Madison Heist has experienced as far as an increase in uh, membership. And we asked uh, the reasoning behind that, if it was, were they doing marketing techniques like parades, flyers, and that sort of thing. And they came back with the answer that all they did was invite people to church. Hmm. So hmm. I encourage you all, us all, to talk to our friends, talk to our family, and just invite them to church. If they say no, that's fine. Just keep on trying. Yeah. Invite them to church. It's as simple as it gets, right? It's the simplest outreach tool of all. And yeah. it reminds me of when, when uh, Jesus called uh, Nathaniel and Philip. Um, he just said, come and see, come and see what this guy's all about. And, uh, they both became disciples of of Jesus, of course. So, uh, come and see, just invite people, come and see what church is all about. So, all right. Uh, thanks for your time today, Daniel. Appreciate it. And, uh, blessings on your continued work among us here. Thank you. 
Finally, our hymn of the day is hymn 348 in the red hymnal, Jesus, Jesus, Only Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Only Jesus, can my heartfelt longing still. Lo, I pledge myself to Jesus, what he wills alone to will. For my heart, which he has filled, ever cries, Lord, as thou wilt. One there is for whom I'm living, whom I love most tenderly. Unto Jesus I am giving what in love he gave to me. Jesus' blood hides all my guilt. Lord, O lead me as thou wilt. What to me may seem a treasure, but displeasing is to thee. O remove such harmful pleasure, give instead what profits me. Let my heart by thee be stilled, make me thine, Lord, as thou wilt. Let me earnestly endeavor thy good pleasure to fulfill. In me, through me, with me ever, Lord, accomplish thou thy will. In thy holy image built, let me die, Lord, as thou wilt. Jesus, constant be my praises, for thou unto me didst bring thine own self and all thy graces, that I joyfully may sing. Be it unto me my shield, as thou wilt, Lord, as thou wilt. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. For more information about the ongoing activity here, we'd invite you to check out our website, emmanuelmankato.org. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.